What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Star 94.5, the soul of Orlando. It's time now for Monica May's Point of View, a show that delves into the issues that affect you. We believe in transparency and providing only the facts. And now, here's Monica May. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the first Sunday of a new month, so... First Sunday, folks, I know you're getting up and getting ready to go to church. We've got some conversation for you. And uh, it's going to be focused on our mental health, but in very varied capacities. We're going to start the first hour and we're going to focus on men and what this means to men. And you've heard us talk about ACEs before. You've heard us talk about trauma. But what about when trauma occurs in a man and It's never been really, really resolved. So how does unresolved childhood trauma impact a man's quality of life? So we reached out to our friends at No Limit Counseling with Pernell Bush. And, of course, we've got uh, Jono in here now, Jonathan Gustav, who just celebrated birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. What year? Uh, 85, 1985. 1985, all right. He's got his boys in the room with him, and that's a good feeling when your fellas can come up and celebrate. Mm-hmm. You're from Miami. Correct. Okay, how long you been up here? Uh, it's been about two, almost two and a half years now. Two and a half years. Yeah. The difference between Miami and here would be a whole lot of variance, I know. But, mm-hmm. but what do you find that stands out? I feel like being here is much slower. Mm-hmm. Miami is a lot more fast-paced. I feel like when you get to certain areas in Orlando, you can kind of feel it a little bit. But for the most part, especially living in East Orlando, Mm -hmm. it's calmer, it's slower. It has a more of a family feel. Mm -hmm. He's a family man now. All right. So I've met his family. And, And that's a good vibe that you can understand the differences there. You went into the field of mental health. Correct. Because? Uh, Plain and simple, it was just a personal thing for me because my father abandoned my mother and I in a cold basement of Chicago, Illinois. My mother left me in the hands of my grandparents because she was only 21. The plan was for her to go back to school, but she didn't, she didn't, (laughs) plain and simple. She didn't go back to school and um, she just ended up having five more kids with six other men. Mm -hmm. And from there, I experienced a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness in my family. My family was very disjointed, very fragmented. My grandfather passed away when I was five. And that and was probably that stalwart for you, man, that yeah. man, that dude for yeah, you. Man, yeah, my grandfather was everything. If, if I think back throughout my entire life, there has never been a man that I've ever felt loved me the way that he did. Mm-hmm. And I was only, I only had him for five years, yeah. but I felt that, yeah. right? And uh, now knowing everything that we know about mental health, I realized that my grandmother, after my grandfather passed away, fell into a deep depression. And it's because she had a lot of responsibilities because she wasn't just only taking care of me, but she was also taking care of my uncle and my aunt who are both high on the autistic spectrum. So could you think about it? A black woman, retired, taking care of autistic adult children. And then you have a small little boy, five, six years old, that you have to take care of as well. Mm-hmm. 
And that was the very thing after my grandfather passed away that caused us to move down to Miami. Uh, my aunt and a great aunt of mine and my grandmother said, you know, let's move down to Miami. That's how we got down to Miami. They needed the help. Well, uh, I want to say, yeah, they did need help. But in hindsight, of course, 2020, it probably wasn't the best decision that my grandmother could have made. Because in Chicago, that's where our community was. Mm. So for me, of course, like this is years of years of me doing my own trauma work. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I see that my grandmother moving away from Chicago, moving away from that community and that family that we had up there, it impacted me heavily. Because now, of course, you talk about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. When you lose a parent to death or divorce, that's a big thing. So I experienced that with my grandfather. And then now we move down to Miami. And what happens is we have to start all over when it comes to community. Mm -hmm. And not only are we starting over when it comes to community, but I'm experiencing all of these symptoms of not being able to really articulate what's going on with me because I'm just a little kid. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting into a lot of trouble in school. Threats of me getting kicked out and suspended and parent-teacher conferences, all those different things. Then going to the local churches, in the community, in the area, and I'm just getting into a lot of trouble. And because those were not my people, that wasn't my community, they didn't understand the background. They didn't have an emotional and intimate connection with me as a child like my family did in Chicago. They just labeled me the black kid. I'm the black kid with the, the black problems. He's just bad. He's this. He's that. And he's big. And, and he's big. <laughs> and, and you know what I'm saying? When I say yeah. big, I'm saying he's he, yeah, tall. you're right. So right. I'm thinking that that also had a level right there. Yeah. Because their expectation of you mm -hmm. was different than what your emotional level was. Yeah, absolutely. And then also with the being big and tall, there's an intimidation factor as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right? So um, I say all that to say is that I didn't experience the love that a child should experience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't experience the love and the care that I should have experienced. And as I got older and um, I got more involved in the church, I became more responsible. I started doing certain things. I started to realize like, man, there is something fundamentally wrong with the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you this, when it really hit me, was when my wife and I were doing premarital counseling. We are like 23 years old, right? 23, 24 when we got married. And I remember that very first session. Mm -hmm. And that therapist, a great friend of mine, he's a marriage and family therapist as well. He did a geneogram where it's, it's like your family tree. Mm -hmm. And when I saw my wife's family tree, how she grew up in a nuclear family with her mom, her dad, her siblings, and I saw mine... How disjointed it Yo, was. That thing to this day, it makes me emotional. And that was only like 15 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it hit me. I was like, I'm just looking at it visually. Mm -hmm. And I remember after leaving that session, I dropped my wife off home. I went home and I parked the car and I just sat in the car in front of my house for hours. It was till like one in the morning. Mm hmm just processing everything just from that activity mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, man, I have some work to do. Mm -hmm. Like my desire was always to have a family because I wanted to redeem the time. That was my mindset, mm. right? But I didn't understand the weight of the responsibility, mm -hmm. nor did I understand how impacted I was. Mm -hmm. And over time, I was like, 
when I found out about the mental health field, when I found out specifically about marriage and family therapy, I said, oh, no, this is... That's what you want to do. This is mm -hmm. what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that is the first time that Jonathan has gone that deep in his own personal um, lifespan. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm grateful yeah. that you were able to just start with that. Mm -hmm. So now you have a clearer picture of who this man is and what he comes with. Um, you and Pernell are building, and your whole team in yeah. Sanford are building a tremendous asset for this community. Absolutely. When you talk about the the depth of mental illness in the black community, and then you can see therapists that look just like them and have lived experiences, yeah. maybe, maybe we can take a pinch out of what's going on in the black family. Mm, man, yeah, absolutely. It is, there are so many different factors as to why the black family specifically is the way that it is. Okay. Let's 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 unleash a little mm -hmm. bit of those. Mm -hmm. Let, you said so yeah. many. Let's so let's try it's a it's, it's a it's a generational thing. You see, like mm -hmm. we love to talk about generational curses and we like to talk about generational wealth. We're big on this buzzword generational. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really understand the impact that generational beliefs, ideologies thought processes, mm -hmm. experiences has and how it impacts the black family. In the first place I have to start when you talk about that is slavery. Yes. We don't realize that even though we're able to get up, we're able to move, we're able to go different places, we have freedom that the beliefs that our ancestors had in slavery still live with us today. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when you talk about paranoia, anxiety, a parent will tell a child, hey, you can't go out there like that, dress like that, because people are going to say X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You got to make sure that you, right? And as a result, what that does to the child, it creates a belief like, oh, man, like I can't just go out the way that I want to go or I'm going to be judged. Mm -hmm. You see, what we don't realize is that being judged is one of the major factors as to why people deal with anxiety and stress, mm -hmm. okay? So now you feel as if you can't be judged. So now you have to always overthink as to, okay, man, I have to be like this. I have to be like that. That comes from slavery. Why? Because if you didn't operate in the right fashion, you're getting whipped, mm -hmm. right? So now a parent will tell the child during slavery, like, hey, you know, you got to make sure you do this and that and that and that. So those things are passed down versus our, our white counterparts. Those type of things they never had to deal with. That's not even something that's crossing their minds. I don't know if you notice when you go to the airport, you see a black person, they'll dress up nice and they, you know, they have everything. But you see a white person, they come in shorts, sandals, flip-flops, and they're just very casual. Why? Because the expectations for us versus them are different. And those are things that are passed down from generation to generation. And then it's a slew of them. Mm -hmm. And those we, are beliefs. We call it sometimes entitlement, but go ahead. Mm, ah, yeah, yeah. Or privilege. And privilege. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We're at uh, 609 right now and 844-945-2945. When I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, people always ask me, how did I do it? 
If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, please feel free to leave me a rating and review. Um, good morning and welcome to Point of View. I am Monica May. Jonathan Gustav is unleashing a lot of stuff this morning. And, you know, I, I put on Facebook, Jonathan, and, and I hope that you took it this way. This show has been on the air April, May, just one full year. So we're about a year and a half into into this thing. And I call it a thing because we didn't know what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to have to come back to the radio to give people a platform such as this. And when people begin to call you and say, yo, I got something I want to talk about, mm -hmm. that is amazing. This dude called me and said, uh, and, and you called me and you knew what I was dealing with at that time. And he helped talk me through that moment and he said, well, I don't want to bother you right now, but I, I got this thing. I, I really want to talk about it. And then called me up a week later when I, when I said, and I was asleep, but I woke up. I'm like, there's Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> there's Jonathan. When somebody calls you back, you know that they're serious. Mm. And I knew that you were very intent on getting this conversation delivered sure. on this radio station at this time. 844-945-2945. I don't want you to be afraid to jump into this conversation because we don't talk enough about mental health, but we sure are starting to on this radio because of you and Purnell. Mm. We're starting to do it more and more. And in the 7 o'clock hour, our babies, and I keep calling them our babies, but there are UCF interns that have long since moved past the internship. You know, they have like a, a segment of time that you're supposed to be uh -huh. at a certain... Th these girls are staying with us. Kasinda Mawad and Fatima Murad. And they said, we got something to talk about too. So in that 7 o'clock hour, we're talking about mental maturity mm -hmm. in our youth. And I brought that up at this point because you said, we deal with a lot of generational things. Mm -hmm. We sometimes tamp down on emotions because it's not appropriate to to share those. Or like you said, the um, the 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 judgments that we face, and yeah. they talk about judgment a lot. Mm -hmm. And so now you've pointed out that that brings anxiety and fear. Yeah, that makes you just like want to stay in your place and not open yeah. up your mouth. Yeah. And what we're trying to get people to do is open up mm -hmm. and talk about these things. And yeah. that's what we're doing this morning. And we certainly hope that you will join the discussion. You don't have to leave a name, certainly don't have to leave a number. And the best thing about it is it's radio. So ain't nobody going to see you. All right. So join Thanks. us and, and, and find out he is licensed. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, with the no limit practice that they have, I mean, ain't no boundaries there. Yeah. So the, everything is just open discussion. Yes, absolutely. And the thing that I like about um, no limit counseling and education, uh, partnering with Purnell, it's, um, I don't think people really understand. And sometimes I have to remind myself of exactly what we're doing, especially for people of color, mm -hmm. because in the mental health field, there is only about 25% of us that are men. Okay? And just think about how Can I, I'm small not, that wait, wait, overall wait, in terms of wait, counseling. Wait. Yeah. Uh, wait. It gets smaller. Wait. Black men 
in the field. One percent. Uh-huh. But in No Limit, we have three black men mm-hmm. in No Limit. Amen. Out of that one percent. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That yeah. is something to applaud. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Nisi D is yeah. in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they just had their grand opening and it was a very emotional. Did you did you feel the emotions? It was it was yeah, it was a really it felt like something major was happening, which mm-hmm. it was, but it was just something in the air. It was like, wow, this thing is uh it's here. It's happening. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the the generational piece, let's mm-hmm. let's go back to that. We talk about <laughs> generational curses, and you said we don't even realize the impact of that. Right. Let's we stopped at that. Let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. So when I said we don't realize the impact of it, is that there are beliefs that are passed down from one generation to the next, and the best way that I could break it down practically Mm -hmm. is the thing that everyone wants to have is generational wealth. Mm -hmm. What do we want to do with generational wealth? We want to pass it down from one generation to the next. People are more educated to understand that, okay, we have to make a certain amount of money. We have to save a certain type of money. We have to invest a certain type of money. We have to be in a certain type of network. Mm -hmm. And as a result, as we grow over time, we can pass down assets, funds, to our children and they can do the same to the next. It's the same thing when it comes to your mental and your emotional health. Mm-hmm. We don't realize it because we're just living and we're not aware. Mm. We're, most of us are not even aware of the beliefs that we have. I have a strong opinion that 99% of people walking this earth do not know the beliefs that they have. You know, for my black people, we're big in church. Mm-hmm. We love church and we think that the things that we gather from church, the things that we believe when it comes mm-hmm. to our faith, that's our belief system. That's what we believe is way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Much, much deeper than that. There are segments of beliefs where what do you believe about yourself? Mm-hmm. What do you believe about the world around you? What do you believe you deserve? What do you believe you can do? What do you believe you're capable of? What do you believe that you can overcome? All of these things, all of these beliefs start to form from the age of zero to eight. That's when all of these beliefs start to form. So now if you grow up in a home and you witness domestic violence and you see it, that's going to give you a belief or a cascade of beliefs of, oh, This is how a relationship works. Mm -hmm. If my partner steps out of line, this is what's supposed to happen. Now, that may not manifest itself for many, many years. But eventually, it's going to manifest itself. Or you may be the partner and say, oh, this is what love really is. This is what I deserve. And then you end up with someone like that. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? You have a child with that person and it continues on. Mm -hmm. But then it... Not only is it saying, okay, this is what I deserve, but it says, okay, what do I believe? This situation, what is it telling me that I believe about the world around me? Like anxiety is a big thing. For example, when I think back to when I was growing up and when we moved down to Miami, Florida, and like I said, my grandmother was in a deep depression. Finances wasn't good. We grew up in underserved communities. 
going to underserved schools, schools that look like prisons. And I remember, I remember just being anxious, mm -hmm. frustrated, mm -hmm. lonely, depressed. But at that time, I didn't realize that what was, that was the thing that was going on. But the reason why I experienced that is because the way things started off with my parents. My mother was with a man who already had a woman already. She was a side woman. Your mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was a side woman. So that that so now when you think about science-wise, the mom carrying the child, feeling all those emotions, that's being passed down to me. Mm -hmm. Not only that, my grandparents, being as strict as they were, being islanders, when they found out my mother was pregnant, they kicked her out. Okay. We're not caring about what happens to her. Mm -hmm. So you think about psychologically, emotionally, you're, you're feeling disowned. You're feeling unloved. That brings upon anxiety. Why? Because as human beings, we are created and designed for connection, relationship, and community. All those feelings are being passed down to me. But guess what happens generationally, right? Now, I'm left alone, just like my mother was, roaming the streets of Miami, having no one to defend me, no safe emotional place at all, no one that I can speak to and say, this is how I'm feeling, this is how I'm thinking. You don't even have the words to say. Don't even have the words. Mm -hmm. All I am focused on is survival. Because right across the street from my house, they're selling drugs. Mm -hmm. I can't even walk to the corner store without feeling some sense of fear. And you see, the thing is, what we don't realize is that over time, we kind of get used to those feelings. Mm -hmm. So then as a kid, it's like, I don't even realize that this is how I'm feeling. I don't even realize that this thing is impacting me. My environment, my family life is impacting me so much that it's turning me into someone that I, I was never meant to be. It turned me to being very angry. Like I said, I had to survive, right? And we're talking about impact. So I had to become very callous, very angry, very sharp at the tongue. Mm -hmm. I had to put up a mask, which most men do, mm -hmm. because it's about survival. I can't focus on getting good grades in school. Why? Because school is a jungle in itself. I'm focused on survival. Mm -hmm. And when you're focused on survival, what ends up happening is your brain cannot function to the point where it starts to learn and be creative and think outside the box. Why? Because the survival mechanisms of the brain, only, they stay at the lower part of the brain. So you're always in a fight, fright, freeze, fun, and response mode all the time. Fight if or flight. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're in those responses. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can learn. So impact, right? So now what ends up happening is by the time I get to 11th grade, I drop out of high school. Because my mind, I just can't focus mm -hmm. on learning. The environment around me doesn't lend to that. My home environment, my community doesn't lend. It, I don't have a safe place to actually learn and grow, try things out, be creative, study. I don't have that. That's the impact. Mm -hmm. But it's not happening anymore because it's stopping with me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm saying. Now you've created generational wealth. Because wealth is not always what your your bank account there looks you go. like. There all you right? go. It's that yep. mental strength, that yep. mental uh, capacity. Yep. So that's what we're talking about this morning. What ha what happens with unresolved childhood trauma? How does it affect 
or impact a, the quality of life for a man, health-wise? Mm. Big one. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about unresolved trauma, adverse childhood experiences, they say that when you have four or more, and those four, it could be uh, losing a parent to death or divorce. It could be growing up in underserved communities, not having good finances, growing up in poverty, sexual, physical, verbal abuse, anything that is out of the ordinary, that a you know, in human existence that you're not supposed to experience as a human being, we consider that adverse childhood experience. And they say when you have four or more, you're 32 times more likely to have learning issues and you're 32 times more likely to have physical health issues, mm -hmm. heart attack, stroke, diabetes, hypertension. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I've recently been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Join the club. Mm. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that too. That is a conversation that we are going to bring to the radio as well. And we're going to talk about it from the impact of childhood trauma. Mm. Um, and that, that conversation is in the works right now as mm -hmm. we speak. So I'm very glad that you brought that up. When we talk about that ACEs test, yeah. just if you, everybody has a phone in their hand. What I'd like you to do right now is go to Google it, like yeah. my sister would say. Google it. <laughs> Google it. Google ACEs questionnaire. Mm -hmm. It's only 10 questions. I believe that on some days when memory serves you right, your ACEs score will change. Because some days mine will be at, at a... Re but then there's other times that I remember something and my number go. has gone there up go. as high as nine. There you go. That's, there you that's go. amazing. There you go. I'm very serious about yeah. that. We suppress Man. a lot of negativity. Mm. And that is a factor of... Um, I guess it just, it helps us. Oh, absolutely. Because okay. if you know everything, you're not going to survive. You won't. You won't especially <laughs> you're not going to be able a, to function. Especially as a black person. No, you're not going to be able to function. 844-945-2945-623 right now. Um, with this time change, it, it feels very different. It does. Um, I, 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 I wanted to ask this question. How many of y'all didn't sleep for fear of not waking up on time? <laughs> How many of you all were out last night at a gathering of media professionals? And, you know, yeah, yeah. so that was me. And I'm like, okay. Well, we got I, an hour, I, though. I, I got to go home. We gained yeah. an hour, so it was good. Yeah, but it's still yeah, yeah, you, that you, anxiety. Exactly. Like, you like, you oh don't want to. Yep. I know that the phones yep. typically change uh -huh. on their own, uh -huh. and I know what I set it for, but Listen, oh my God. I checked my alarm clock like five <laughs> times before I went to bed last night. I was like, let me make sure it's on AM or it's AM or uh -huh. it every day. Yeah. Because you know, the funny thing is, people don't want to disappoint me. Mm. But, and I've had people oversleep, mm -hmm. I, I've had that happen, and I've had to, like, are you coming? Oh, I'm waking up right now. You know, don't even worry about it. Clear your throat and I'll call you. <laughs> you know, clear your throat and I'll call you. But what I love about Jonathan is that the impact of what we're talking about this morning, I said, Jonathan, you going to meet me at 545? He said, I will be there. Mm -hmm. And he was here. And he bought one of his boys here. They're still celebrating with him from Miami. Woohoo! So we are talking about um, something that these brothers go into the barbershop to talk about. Yeah. 
let's talk about how that whole thing, that concept came about. Mm. Because you all go deep. Usually these barbershop conversations are right yeah. there, but you all die. Yeah, you know, the thing with the barbershop conversation is we understand that it is a space where men actually come and talk. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we're talking about things that in honest, on honesty, most of the things are inconsequential. Okay. Like sports. Yeah. Right? But the thing is, we're talking about sports. We also do talk about women. Um, we talk about money. But we never get to the root of things. We never go deep. However, we recognize that in the barbershop, that is a safe place. Because there are certain things that come up in the conversation in the barbershop that you probably won't talk about openly like that. Mm -hmm. However... Because a lot of us as men, we've had to suppress our emotions. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us when it comes to our emotional intelligence to really know like, oh, I'm experiencing this in my relationship because X, Y, and Z. This is what I went through as a child. Mm -hmm. So now we've taken the barbershop concept and we say, okay, this is a potential safe place. Now, we just need to be able to go deeper on the conversations that mm -hmm. we're having because Every single thing, even when I go to my own barber, it's like every single time we end up talking about life, we end up talking about our upbringings, we end up talking about one of the big things is our relationships with our significant others. Mm -hmm. And because I'm just accustomed to going deep, I don't know how to have shallow conversations. Uh -huh. It just always goes there. And I'm like, yeah, hey, have you ever thought about mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z? Like, maybe your wife does this. Have you ever really studied your wife? Like, do you really understand like how her upbringing has impacted the relationship that you're in right now you know so on and so forth so the barbershop space gives us an opportunity to have those conversations at a deeper level mm -hmm. you mentioned something before you and your wife got married and when you did your marriage counseling mm -hmm. was that your first time sitting in front of somebody quote-unquote a counselor therapist you know what? That's that's a great question. That was the very first time I ever was in front of a therapist, for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that never clicked. Yeah, that was actually the very first time. Mm -hmm. Now, when you went home after that session and you say you sat in your car until about one in the morning mm -hmm. and you went inside, did you open up conversation maybe that night or the next day as to what you were feeling with your wife? Yeah, for sure. That's the thing about my wife. My wife is the closest person to me in the okay. world ever, mm -hmm. right? So this is how we've developed our relationship from the beginning because at first we were just friends. Mm -hmm. It was nothing, no no strings attached. I didn't come into the situation wanting to be with her, mm -hmm. anything of that nature because I got to give, the, you know, yeah. like, because mm -hmm. she shot me down a year before. Okay. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She shot me down a year before. So I was just like, okay, it's not a big deal. But um, I've just always been a relationship guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always been a relationship guy. So, you know, she was a nice person. So we just, you know, we remained friends. We spoke so on and so forth. So Wait, we developed from that time. Yeah. Put a pin right there. Uh -huh. He said, I've always been a relationship type guy. Yeah. How could you be a relationship type guy if you didn't see relationships growing up? Man, let me tell mm. you, that's an excellent question. And it's because I desired connection so much. Yes, yes. I desired connection a lot. Yes. And I remember growing up as a kid, you know, at that time, we didn't have cell phones, you know. Mm -hmm. Just get on the phone, call friends from school, talk, like, 
all day in the afternoon. But I, uh, 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 I'm making going you back. go back. I'm going uh-huh, back. Uh-huh. Actually, that whole thing of like talking on the phone and like being a relationship guy that actually came from my godmother. Mm, yeah. So community yeah. does come from outside family members. Yes. Okay. okay thank yeah. God for godparents. Yeah. Oh, man. My yeah. godmother. There has never been a woman that ever walked the face of the earth that I felt loved me more than this woman. Mm. I actually visited her in Chicago maybe like about three weeks ago. Uh-huh. I haven't seen her in maybe since 2017. Uh-huh. Since we moved to Miami, it's been kind of like very, very sporadic. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her much. But I just remember when I, when I went into that house, that was the same house I was in. They used to watch me over the weekends, uh-huh. two, three, four years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, all the feelings came back. And I saw her even though uh-huh. she's like, 89 years old now. It's all right. Man, it was like, oh, I I was, I don't know what was going on with me inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, again, so so let's just say, let's create this thing. Um, listening this morning, we are talking about the impact of childhood trauma. And just now, the point that we're making and that I really want to impress upon people is that you need outside assistance. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, godparents do work. Mm. And it's more than just that ceremonial, you know, the pastor puts the the cross of water, you know, the crucifixion, all of that. Uh, You could tell I haven't been in church in a while, (laughs) you know, to be able to really recall that that whole little, okay. But the impact that godparents make is where I'm really going, Mm -hmm. y'all. Stay with me, all right? So um, it's it's imperative. Yes. It's imperative. Absolutely. Community works. Community works. Man, let me tell you something about community because I was just talking to my boys about this last night Mm -hmm. where I realized that moving from Miami to here where my wife and I, we're very reserved people uh-huh. right we don't get out as much mm-hmm. we don't like we're not we're not extroverted people well y'all got right? kids now too yeah, and oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah. another thing right <laughs> you know so we're not really extroverted people like that mm-hmm. so we're just slowly but surely getting to know people here mm-hmm. little by little and what i realize is that every about friday night saturday ish i start to feel a depression mm. and i'm like my wife is like, man, what's up with you? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just every time around this time I feel down. Mm-hmm. And what I realize is that when I was growing up, my grandmother and I, we went to the same church for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And those people in that church, those families became my family. We saw each other uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, right. Saturday, <laughs> like four out of the seven days out of the week. And I got accustomed to being around people, knowing that, oh, okay, this is the time where I'm going to see people. Of course, subconsciously, this is the time I'm going to be around a group of people. And when I went to college, it was the same thing. Got around a group of people, made lifelong friends in college. But now moving up here, I'm not getting that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then it's like my body and my mind have been wired and conditioned to expect that community, to expect that social aspect on the weekends. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm not getting it, that's why I'm starting to feel sad. And that's the power of community. And I was telling my boys last night, I was like, man, you know, (laughs) I'm seeing that this next generation that's coming up, they're not going to really understand the importance of community. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of mental health issues are also coming with, you know, this Mm -hmm. next generation as well. Because 
they're more so on the phones. And I'm not trying to knock social media or anything like that. It definitely has its power and its, and its place, but it's giving us a pseudo community. Mm-hmm. It's not real because you're not actually interacting. You're actually you're just seeing the highlights of people's lives. It's called FOMO. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fear of missing, missing out. out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I did a workshop Friday on uh, self-care mm-hmm. for nonprofit managers. Mm-hmm. And then I did a tea yesterday. And one of the things that came up was social media. And I had more adults in the room than I did have young girls. Because, you know, mine is from 14 to 21 girls and their moms. And with this, there were people rotating through different workshops. Mm. And a lot of the the moms and grandparents, they came in and they stayed. And some of them are on social media as well. Mm. I don't care what. And my point for that is whether you're young or old, that social media plays with your mind. It wrecks havoc on what your fear factor is, what your uh, the comparison level, sure. all of that. All and of that. so that fear of missing out on something, we've got to get over that. But but how? Because like you said, it is affecting our mental health. Yeah, yeah. And it, the thing, the reason why it's hard for us to get over it is because we have a lack of contentment in our society. And why do you think that is? <laughs> We have a lack of contentment mm-hmm. because we think there are certain things that we need. We think there's certain things that we should have, mm-hmm. like more money, more access, mm-hmm. you know, more freedom. We used to call it back in the day, keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses, exactly. Mm-hmm. We think mm-hmm. those are the things that we need to have to feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize is that what would really make us feel better about ourselves is going to the root cause of the symptoms that we're having and that we're feeling. Mm. And we will see when you go, when you see, oh, because I was raised this way, it developed in me low Mm self-esteem. And that's the thing with a lot of men. A lot of men are walking around depressed with low self-esteem, and we think it's because, oh, we have to make more. I'm not making enough money. That's why. So once I start making enough money, more money, then I'll feel better about myself. No, it's actually that you have daddy issues, Mm. And your 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 father made you feel worthless, mm. or because you grew up with a single mom and she spoke to you a certain way, made you feel down. Mm. But because of the society that we live in right now, we just think that money's gonna solve the problem. And it's like, come on, why do you think millionaires commit suicide? Mm. Like, I mean, there's something there. It's something deeper. So that's the thing: is the lack of contentment. But we don't realize that the lack of contentment is not having certain things. Is the fact that there's something inside of us that hasn't been resolved yet. And we need to resolve it in order for us to feel better about ourselves. Let's go to the phone lines now. Good morning, Rod. Love actually is on the line. How are you doing, Rod? I'm doing great. I want to be short and quick. Miss mm-hmm. Monica, you are a credit to oh. Central Florida. Congratulations again on your National Black Radio Award. We need you. But listening to this brother, mm-hmm. he's hitting on all the cylinders. Yeah. And... One thing I just want to add in, you you know, we're talking about mental health. We're talking about trauma. I am not an expert in it, but you also have ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, which impacts all of us, men, women. What happened to us as a child still 
carries on as an adult in us. And when the brother talks about uh, men feeling, I guess, somewhat worthless or, or hearing that, I, I, I love the way the brother talking, but here's the twist. It all comes from the team because my mama team love always told us we could, we should, and we would. But then when you're on those teams that tell you you won't, you would never, then you adopt it. So y'all keep doing your thing. I tell you, this is refreshing. Uh, and Monica, I love you. Love you back. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So what we uh, heard from that conversation, that that comment right now that, that Rod made, is about the aces. And we talked about that um, early on in our conversation. And again, I'm inviting everybody right now, before you go to first Sunday service, pull it up on your phone and quickly answer those 10 questions. It's just 10 questions. And you will find the answers to what moods you, mm. not moves you, but what moods That's you. That's good, yeah. Okay? Yeah. You, you will figure that out. Um, Jonathan just said that because he was so used to having community and what they did um, almost ritualistically on Friday nights, yeah. he wasn't doing that up here. Mm-hmm. So and that was being down in Miami is what I'm talking about. Right. And then when he and his wife came up here to Orlando. So what I would suggest to you, and I'm just a DJ, you know, <laughs> not a counselor, but I would suggest that you begin to do it on your own and you develop a Friday night ritual for you and your boys mm-hmm. or you and some couples. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you're going to feel better because you have that to look forward to. No, it's true. Well, it's true. What about that? No, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's one thing about in the mental health field as a therapist, like you say, oh yeah, I'm not a counselor, but that's actually something that we encourage people to do. Cause what, what a lot of us don't understand is that when you have mental health issues, mental health disorders, when you're having, dep- when you're depressed, anxious, so on and so forth. One of the main things as a therapist that I'm trying to do is to see what social support do you have in your life? Mm-hmm. Because that social support is the thing that's going to actually carry you through. Mm-hmm. Cause what a lot of us don't realize is that when we have these mental health issues, depression, so on and so forth, they're also connecting to not, feeling seen or known let's go uh, woo 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 let's go into that a little bit more what does that even look like what does mm. that feel like not being seen felt heard when you okay not being seen not being felt not being <coughs> known not being heard you don't feel as if you have a space to truly show up as your authentic self mm-hmm. And, and this goes back, again, to how we were raised. When you feel a certain type of way, you know, black communities, like, uh, what was that saying? Um, be seen, not heard. Once the moment, right? And this is the thing what a lot of us, our, our men have. When we're boys, don't cry. Yes. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. So already you've been programmed not to truly share how you feel. Okay, so now you're programmed that way. And as you get older, you develop these defense and these coping mechanisms not to show up as your authentic self. Mm -hmm. And that in itself, it it hurts you because now you can never go anywhere not being yourself. Yeah, you go. Yeah. So now you need a couple of people in your life that they are your safe place. And and for me, that's my big thing. Like 
anyone that knows me, yeah, you saw how I came on here and I just hey, this is how I became a mm-hmm. therapist and I shit. Mm-hmm. That's just what I do. I'm I don't do it purposely. It's mm-hmm. just who I am. Like I am that safe place. Mm-hmm. And I find other people who are similar or who need that and we create that because that's one of the big things. That's that's all being seen and heard is about. Like even mm-hmm. when clients come to me for therapy, especially when I have men cuz I specialize in just seeing men. Mm-hmm. When they come to me, they're like they come with this bravado. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Bro, like I understand like this is how you had to be. This is how you have to be to survive and not be looked at in a certain way, but this is not the place. Like you don't need that, but I don't just say it like that. Mm-hmm. But when I share to, with them my story, because I'm really big on self-disclosure, especially mm-hmm. for for African-Americans, for our black people, I feel as if as a black man, when I share with another black man, when I say, when I don't say, oh, this made me angry, when I say, man, this hurt me, mm. it's a different type of Ooh. feel in the room. Ooh. That's I'm creating the space right there to show them like, hey, look, <laughs> I'm 6'8", 330 pounds. If I'm telling you mm-hmm. I've been hurt, this hurt me, mm-hmm. that automatically subconsciously creates an environment in a room like, oh, man, if this brother right here is saying mm-hmm. that, then I got space to do that too. I, but that's me chiseling away at it a little because it takes some time because mm-hmm. it takes time for people to trust you, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about man-to-man. It's hard for us to trust each other. It can't be one and done. It oh, cannot be one and done. Yeah, to yeah. join our conversation this morning, please give us a call right now, 844-945-2945. People are hitting me up with text messages, mm-hmm. and I'm inviting them to the conversation. Tony is in Orlando, and we're going to talk with him. Good morning, T. He's not ready? Okay. All right. Um, and, and it may uh, be what I'm seeing in the topic space right here. He may not want to come on. How do we reach you, Jonathan? How do we reach out to No Limit? How oh, do we get in touch with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Limit Counseling and Education dot org. No Limit Empowerment dot org. You go on our website. You can Google us. You'll find us. You'll see if you want to schedule a consultation. At what number? Um, the number. The great question. Okay, so while you're doing, while you're looking that up. I'm going to um, back to the phone lines, and and John is with us. Good morning, John. How are you? Thank you so much for calling Star 94.5's point of view. I'm fine. Good. What's your comment? And my comment is, you know, we we deal with this. This, and I I had no. I just didn't know I was going through this. Till he started talking. Mm, wow. And I've been I've been on the air. I've been listening to him since I came from the. I dropped somebody off in Sanford. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm listening, and I came right in the house and picked up what I needed to do. But I think I gotta I gotta get him plugged in with this guy yeah, man. because. Because we're dealing with this stuff, and we think we got it together, and we don't. And, John. and, and like he said, depression kicked in. I ain't never had depression. 
I I always been a nice guy, you know. So, and like at the end of that week, like around Thursday, Friday, that thing started kicking in. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay, so you said, because I, I want to see something. You said that it kicks in on Thursday and Friday. What does your week look like? Are you working a lot? My week? Yeah, I'm, I'm working a lot. Mm. I, I got a job. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I do some more stuff, but I ain't been able to do it because mm-hmm. my transportation down. Okay. So, you know, my money ain't where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so now, you know, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So now, so now with that, what I'm hearing is that the reason why you go into this like Thursday, Friday type down moment is because mm-hmm. now your mind is getting on towards to the weekend and you're not mm-hmm. necessarily focused on work anymore. Your mind is not preoccupied with work and responsibilities. And that's normally mm-hmm. when you start to feel down and depressed is when things are not going. And see, that's the thing about the black community, right? What we need to understand is that depression shows up differently in us than other people. Mm -hmm. And it's because we never had an opportunity, no matter how we felt, whether we were physically ill, whether we were emotionally unhealthy, whether our minds were not right, we still had to get up and work. So many of us are high-functioning, depressed people walking around. Mm -hmm. So the moment you don't have to work, the moment where it becomes a downtime, now your mind is like, oh, I have space to feel down. I have space to feel anxious. I have space for that now. So probably that's why that happens to you getting towards uh, when you get closer to the weekend. So pull them back up for just a second. So, John, what are some yeah. of the things that you might want to do come the weekend that you could start planning for that may not cost any money? Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm saying that is because walk in the park don't cost you nothing. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, uh, yeah Getting yeah. ready for Soul School Sunday. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't cost you nothing. And see, we don't think about the air. We don't mm-hmm. think about water. Mm-hmm. We don't think about go fish somewhere. Yeah. I've never been fishing mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. But I saw somebody yesterday and my, my husband said, that's good fish. You can't eat it, but it's so peaceful. So I, I need you to begin to think about things that you can do for self that don't cost you anything and that maybe you need that space to be with John. Mm. And not with a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But when John is calmer, he can then interact mm-hmm. and, and, and bring people into his space. So, John, I want you to begin to think, like start on Wednesday. What can I do if my money is short that could bring me some peace, some joy, so that when John shows back up on Monday, John is in a better headspace, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to mm-hmm. add to what you're saying. Uh-huh. That one of the things when you're talking about being depressed that is ultra impactful that a lot of people don't realize. What's that? Sunlight. That's why I said go outside. And that's why, like, it's scientifically proven. Sunlight exercise, moving your body actually Mm -hmm. is more effective than antidepressants. And let me tell you something about those antidepressants. They interact with life, Mm -hmm. period. 
Sometimes we do, do, do need them. I agree with that 100%. But I have found in my moments, because I've had to do antidepressants before, but I found my clarity came back to me once again once I weaned my way off. Because during those moments, you got to get into you. And don't be afraid to unleash. If something's dark, write it down. And that's something else that we don't do. Whenever I do a workshop, I leave you with paper. I'm giving you paper. I'm giving you pen. I'm encouraging you to write in my session. And in some instances, I give you a journal. Yes. (laughs) And that's one thing with all of my clients. When I first have that consultation with them, I said, I can only help you as much as you want to help yourself. And in order for us to do that, every time Mm. we meet, you need to be in a space where you have a notebook and a pencil. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the things that we talk about right now, they're going to leave your mind after. Mm -hmm. But I need you to write this stuff down, Mm -hmm. and I'm also going to give you some small piece of homework. Because this is work. When you're doing that inner work and you're healing, Mm -hmm. it's it's the the most difficult work that you'll ever do. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to be prepared. So when you're talking about writing things down, perfect. Mm -hmm. Like one of the assignments that I always give my clients is they tell me whatever's going on. And I said, oh, okay. They had issues with their parents growing up or whatever. I was like, right. write a letter to yourself. Write a letter to your kid self mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. tell him how sorry you are that he experienced, that she experienced the things that they experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. And then when they come back to the session and they, they have that, that letter and we're going through it, guess what I'm able to do? Huh. I'm able to pinpoint certain key themes that they have in their life that's been streamlining from the time that they were a kid to now that's impacting and affecting them. That's why that, that writing those things down, I'm telling you, heavily, Jonathan, heavily important. Jonathan Gustav with No Limit Counseling, we're gonna, John, we're, we're gonna uh, let you go and think about some of the things that, some of the points that Jonathan has made, okay? And again, okay. we're giving you the number to No Limit Counseling and that is for yeah. Four zero seven. Listen up, John. Four zero seven nine zero six zero one three nine. Okay. Okay. All right, John. Thank you so much for calling. Christopher is on the line now. Uh huh. We thank you. Christopher is on the line now. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Good morning. We're doing fine. Good morning. What's your comment for Jonathan? Jonathan, welcome to Orlando. I'm from Miami myself. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to say, it's, you know, it's beautiful hearing everything you say. And it's sad to say that we... As black men, we go through these things, but we never have an outlet until we hear from the radio of what's really is going on. And it comes to our minds when we hear we talk and realize how much pain we have inside of us. Mm. But what I really challenge us as men or black people in general is to find an outlet where we can understand and learn more of things that we need to do to change ourselves and just enhance all these things that we're going through. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you said some things right there, and I know exactly what you're saying, but I want to just help you with the language, right? We don't want to change. That's never something that we want to do because we are who we are. 
what we what we need to do is we need to heal. Mm. That's that's what it is right there. We need to heal from certain things that transpired in the past, not change. And also, you know, it's very intimidating. And a lot of men won't they won't admit this, but it's very intimidating to get around other men. Mm-hmm. Because you have a bunch of men. <laughs> Testosterone. Who, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have a bunch of men, and they just like, uh, they're all this bravado and this this this, this masculinity. And, and, you know, that's how I was in the playground. That's how I was on the courts. And then we become older men, and we have the same type of things. We have this guardedness. We mm-hmm. have this, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not that easy to just get around and just be like, oh, yeah, I've been experiencing this. Why? Mm-hmm. Because... You don't want to be soft. Yeah. You don't want to be labeled weak. Mm-hmm. So you just have to find that one friend, mm-hmm. that one male friend. Because we we good with the moms. We good with the women for the most part because they carry that motherly, compassionate energy. But when you can find a man that has that compassionate energy, mm. there is nothing like it. Say that one more time, please. When you can find that man who has that compassionate energy, there's nothing like it. So, shout out to Big George this morning. It took me all my life to find someone that had that kind of compassion and energy. So, George Ashford, I met him when I was probably 54 um, and and got married a few years later. So, I'm giving everybody out there listening to me, there is still hope for my sisters that say, oh, I'm never going to get married and you're only 30 years old. Hmm. No, keep living. You're going to mm. find that person. And what you need is what he just said, somebody that's got that compassion, you know, that empathy that yeah. can listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. We can go home now. <laughs> I can go back to Big George right now. Six. 55. Man, it feels so late. All right. So 844-945-2945. Everyone who is watching on my Facebook page at our period, Monica May, we thank you so much for joining the conversation there. And someone asked, how can they find services similar to yours or partnership? They're in Kissimmee. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? You're trying to find a, what, like a... I'm going to go back. I'm going to scroll through that. But mm-hmm. again, giving your phone number mm-hmm. for, for them and then the ways that they can reach out to you on the Internet, too. Yes. Um, so um, for No Limit Counseling and Education, you can contact us at 407-906-0139. If you want to work with me specifically, you could just click the free consultation link. There is a list of therapists. You'll see my name. Jonathan Gustav, and you'll be able to reach me there. You can schedule a consultation where we just have about a free consultation. We have about 15 minutes to discuss what's going on with you, what's happening, and to see how I can best serve and help you in your situation. And you can also go to no limit empowerment, no limit empowerment.org mm-hmm. to do all of those different things. If you want to call, that's the number 407 906 0139, and you can reach us from there. And so that was Brandon Bowles in uh, Kissimmee. And the name of his program is Kissimmee Family Mission. Oh, okay, so okay. Um, what I'd like you to do, Brandon, is is reach out to them. So Annette is on the line. And, wow, it's 656 already. So, uh-huh. Annette, thank you so much for calling Point of View. What's your comment? Good morning. 
I want to say, listening to this call, I realized that this young man specialized in taking care of mental health for males. But I want to tell you, young man, and you too, Monica, this morning, how important this conversation mm-hmm. is for black and brown communities and mothers. Mm-hmm. Of mothers of a son, an adult son, that I've left him with ACEs. Grand boys, that's adult, adults that their mother has left them with aces. But to hear a man talk this morning is powerful to me. Yes. It is. To hear a man speak in the tone of voice that this gentleman is speaking and with the knowledge is powerful. So often us broken black and brown women, we hear men yell. Mm. We hear men scream. Mm. We hear a man moan, mm. but we don't hear our black men talking. And that is uplifting to me to hear these men call in and have conversation and then get dialogue back to them or even correcting the language mm. in the tone that he has used. Thank you so much, my king. Mm. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you for those words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. <clears throat> this has yeah. been some morning, and yeah. emotions are, are, yeah. are running high. How do you feel? I feel like I'm about to break down. Ah, <laughs> uh, you do? Yes, Okay, because yes. me and Nisi were yeah, wondering yeah, yeah, if yeah, it was yeah. just us. But uh, that's the man in me, you know. Yeah. I'll tell you, but I'm holding it together. <laughs> okay. So so what I've, yeah. what I've noticed with him is that when, when callers, Annette, Tony, John, um, and we've had some comments from the, the streaming online, we appreciate your calls because that's bold mm-hmm. when you can call and let your voice be heard yes. by the thousands of people who are listening to us on the radio this morning on Point of View. And then when Jonathan can respond back to you. So when you're speaking, I'm noticing how Jonathan centers himself and Nisi, we have to learn this. He closes his eyes and he looks upward. That's the whole back to tears, though. <laughs> yes. That is the whole back to tears. I got it now. I got it. And I'm processing, too. I'm yeah, like really are. intaking you, the words. You are. Which is, which is making me more emotional because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really listening and feeling what she's saying, what the callers are saying. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone. But he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.